Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Donald Thompson Jr. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Diversity Movement. They are a full-service DEI consultancy with really special technology and a community in place and a team that includes business strategists, nationally recognized TEDx speakers, and certified diversity executives. On today's show, Donald and I talk about the things that organizations do right and the things they get wrong when talking about DE&I. We also go deep and talk about his own organization and how he walks the talk as a diverse and inclusive leader. I love Donald not only because he's a neighbor with me here in North Carolina, but because he's got a smart take on that intersection of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and technology. So if you're interested in a realistic and super helpful conversation, especially during Black History Month, well, sit tight and enjoy this conversation with Donald Thompson Jr. Hey, Donald, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Well, I'm pleased to have you, neighbor, colleague, all the good things. Why don't you tell us all who you are and what you're all about? My name is Donald Thompson. Uh, I like to introduce myself as the son of a football coach. That means I enjoy teams 
competition and try, fail, and adjust is kind of part of my DNA. Uh, from a business standpoint, I'm the co-founder and CEO of the diversity movement, and we help folks productize their diversity, equity, inclusion journey. So we have tools from micro videos to digital learning to mobile applications that really help HR leaders systematize a DEI program. So Donald, I think I heard you say try, fail, and learn. What's that all about? Well, one of the things that uh, when we think about ourselves, or I do as a corporate athlete, right, that means mistakes are okay as long as you learn from them, right? It's not the mistake. It's really the progression, right, of improvement. And if you improve a little bit in each outcome, then you're going to be pretty amazing at what you put your mind to. If I have any superpower, it's the fact that I don't let mistakes become the fuel. I let the learning from the mistakes become the fuel for my future success. Well, I really love that and appreciate that. I'm someone who only learns by failure, as most of us do. But I think there's this tendency right now in our corporate cultures and maybe in society at large to be really afraid of making mistakes. Yet people make mistakes all the time, right? So can you talk a little bit about that tension and how you see that manifesting in the workplace? You know, as much as we talk about autonomy and broadening the tent for decision-making. We're still in a society that values hierarchy and you're still trying to please your boss. You're still trying to look good for shareholders or investors. And so there is a tension between being innovative and trying new things and really understanding how to emotionally internalize failure. It's really about courage and safe space is two things that are really, really important. Anywhere I've worked with a leader as I've grown my career where I was able to exemplify courage, but that leader gave me the safe space to be accountable, but to learn from that failing is where innovation lives. And the reason that folks find it so tough in this day and age is there's so much tension around saying the perfect words, around all the things that separate us. We're all kind of walking on eggshells these days. And it's really unfortunate, quite frankly, because that limits the enthusiasm, the energy we can put in our work because we're always kind of looking over our shoulder a little bit. Well, I hear that from my friends and colleagues who are at work. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing or someone has said the wrong thing and they're afraid of voicing that and having a conversation for concern around backlash, right? And career implications. Who goes first? How do we get to the heart of this? Oh man, there's a thing that I will say and I'll use a really quick story where you can be firm and gracious. So I was in a meeting and this was several years ago and I'll be really brief. When I wasn't a CEO, I wasn't a leader, I wasn't an investor. I was an up and coming emerging person within a company. And so the fear and the temperature is a little different. And I heard somebody say something that wasn't appropriate in a corporate boardroom. And they used the term Indian giver. And so at that moment, you have to decide, do we say something now? Do you take it offline? Do I just let it go because it's not my place? And so in that moment, I had to exemplify courage and say, and I made it firm but gracious. And I said, John, just for lack of a better name to to use to protect any privacy, that's not the way I remember that term, even though I'm not amazing in history. And then the room went silent. And John said, Don, can we take this offline to apologize? And I'd like to chat with you after. And I said, absolutely. But in that moment, I decided not to be over the top with it because that's also not necessarily professional in every situation. But also I needed to level set that something was said that wasn't appropriate and it needs to be dealt with at some point. A lot of times who goes first is we've got to give ourselves the room as leaders and a lot of folks on your listening audience are leaders to not let things go that need to be addressed. Everything that needs to be addressed doesn't need dynamite. We don't have to blow up the room to make change in a positive way. 
And that's something that I think is super important. Well, I love the way this conversation kicks off because I know that you're passionate about so many things, leadership development, diversity and inclusion, right? Just the next crop of leaders in general, right? This new and burgeoning movement of workers who are growing up in the world of COVID. So let's get started by talking about what you're currently doing today. Tell us all about your organization. And thank you for that space. I really appreciate it. So the diversity movement, and one of the things when you hear the word diversity, I try to help people along. It's more than just race. I talk to folks about the kaleidoscope of DEI, disability, generational, geography, and yes, race, gender, sexual orientation. But when we think about all of the things that make people unique and amplify those things for the better good of the business, that's how I describe diversity, equity, inclusion at a very, very high level. We set out as the diversity movement to create a team of business leaders that can link diversity, equity, inclusion to the financial outcomes of an enterprise. And that's why we're winning in the marketplace. We've grown from zero to 95 clients in the last 12 months. We are unique in that we have productized the DEI journey, meaning we have a portfolio of micro videos that have over 500 three to five minute vignettes on DEI topics that can go into the learning journey. We have digital learning and courseware, but we also have mobile applications, AI tools to answer questions for people so that the DEI leader doesn't get bogged down in answering the same basic questions over and over again. And then we underpin that product portfolio with analytics so that the leaders understand what the sentiment in their organization really is not what they think it is. Well, I like how you tie it to results. I mean, I don't need someone to tell me that there's a business case for people being decent human beings, right? I don't need that. But so many organizations want to tie their diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging efforts into financials. So tell me, what is the case? And do we really need to make the case in 2022? The thing in 2022 is not making the case for why, but people are struggling with the how-to. Managers are inundated with these new things that they have to learn, but they grew up in the organization as a rock star engineer, a rock star sales professional, a CFO that the numbers are just right and the forecasting for the business is on point. And now we're asking those same leaders to understand belonging, to understand the emotive component of things that they weren't equipped to do. So the how-to means we have to create mentoring opportunities in the flow of work, so to speak. It is how to create mentorship and sponsorship in an inclusive way, because that's what leaders do. It's not that we need just more talent. It's how do you create a resume and a recruiting process that broadens the tent? So we're very focused in 2022 on the how to, because the why is what most everyone is talking about. But the how to get it done is, I think, the missing component. Yeah, how to get it done. And then I guess how to pay for it is the other equation out of this. So when you sell into an organization who's buying your product, who do you work with? So it is a couple of different personas. It's the CEO when it's a business that's usually under about 500 folks. That individual is still leading in a very hands-on way. When it's an organization 500 plus, now you're talking into learning and development, your HR leader. And some folks do have a diversity, equity, inclusion team depending on their size, their scale and readiness. And those are kind of the functional areas that we sell into. The thing that we describe is that we educate first and the sales process becomes more natural. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a very personal initiative for leaders because you have to be open to talk about what's not working to get to the other side of what the future state should be. And so that means we provide a lot of free education, whether it's our website, our free webinars, so you get to know our team. And then when you trust us, then you'll ask us questions. When you ask us questions, you'll evaluate us. Once you've evaluated us, then we can talk about how to do business. 
Well, I'm really fascinated by the creation of a tool, whether it's a mobile tool or an AI tool that really lightens the load of diversity, equity and inclusion officers, right? These are generally African-American women who are bogged down answering the same questions over and over again. So how are you lightening their load? So what we found to really zero in on that demographic is they're spending 10 to 15 percent of their time on those basic DEI questions and they're not able to really track it and scale. So our AI tool basically has compiled the top 1000 questions and not only given those answers, but then links to very specific resources that they can refer folks to. So we've basically taken individual questions that we've learned, research that we've done, and we basically have created a chief diversity office in a box. And that's whether it's white papers, videos, podcasts, or through our AI tool. And people like it very much. So Donald, you know, I have to ask you some of those top questions that these diversity officers are fielding, like humor me, what are some questions that they get over and over again? Is DEI a fad? is one of the ones that they get over and over again because there's a resistance to learning something new. And so the way we answer that question, quite frankly, is not necessarily even from a racial perspective, but from a demographic shift of our society as a whole. We're becoming a more multicultural country. More and more people are being educated at higher and higher levels from all different types of ethnicities. There's not a way to avoid it. I think about it like this. 20, 30 years ago, people were saying, is rap music a fad? And now it is one of the most dominant cultural movements for business, for entertainment across the world. And so whether or not it's a fad is not the question. Is it going to move from a fad to a trend to a part of our daily business fabric? And that's how we talk about that one question. But we get that a lot. I love it. All right. One more question. So another one that we get, quite frankly, is where do I fit in if I'm a middle-aged white professional in this DEI movement? And that question comes from a place of a couple of different elements. Number one, it's a little bit of fear. Because quite frankly, when I talk to leaders and business folks that fit in that demographic, they're a little tired of being the villain in the room in every meeting. I get why it is. But if we're trying to motivate a group of people to move a dialogue forward, then we can't talk about inclusion and create exclusion in the same conversation and expect to go forward. And so we try to have the conversation to where not only is everybody included in it, but we look at points of view of the majority, even while we're looking at the underrepresented folks that need to have their moment as well. You know, I don't know how you stay optimistic doing the work that you do, because you can get some pretty cynical, dark questions, I would imagine. And you might also see organizations that get in their own way of making progress. So what are some of the things that slow an organization down on their DE&I journey? So one of the things I'll speak to, and then I'll answer the question is, I am a pretty significant optimist, but there are days that are tough because people are set in the narratives that pull us apart. There's money in negativity. And when there's money in something, that means there's going to be a bunch of it, whether it's media, whether it's politics, what have you. And so that is something to where we are pushing a positive message uphill. And that's the reality of it. The second component to your question is as we look at evolving this dialogue, we're not looking to change everyone at once. The way that I think about it is very simple. If someone's critical, my goal is to move them to curious. If somebody is curious, then I want to move them to engaged but we're not trying to take somebody from curious to engagement in one step. We're just trying to create an expansion of ideas. 
Yeah, I get that. I mean, I love the analogy you made to Sisyphus and rolling that boulder up a hill because that can be pretty daunting. But if you do it slowly, a couple of inches at a time, I can see how you would make some progress in this journey. That makes sense to me. You know, you mentioned that there's budget for negativity, and I see that in this world. I also see that there's budget for good in a lot of large enterprises, a lot of large organizations. But sometimes there's not budget in the small companies that need this most. So if you're an organization with fewer than 100 people or you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in taking your team, your organization on this journey, how do you get started? So one of the things that I would recommend very specifically to your audience is go to the diversitymovement.com and get inundated with our free content. For example, let me be very specific. We are in Black History Month right now. And if you're a small organization without a DEI team, go to the diversitymovement.com and we have a free, very detailed guide about how to introduce this programming into your organization. We're simply here to help because our mission certainly has to do with monetization, but it also has to do in good in the world. So we have a lot of free content for that small business leader, number one. And then number two, and this is really important, we're scaling out a program that we'll be launching in March. And so hit us up if you're interested in being part of the beta to where we're building a membership program specifically for small and medium-sized businesses. So that for $10,000, you can join one of our cohorts. You can have access to our best practices. You can have one-on-one coaching, unlimited email and phone support, because we refuse to leave anyone behind that wants to do more and better in this DEI journey. I wonder why you do what you do. You know, everybody has an origin story. What's yours? So my origin story is, you know, obviously you can't see me, but I am a Black man. And I've been very fortunate and I have privilege. Privilege is not based on your color. It's based on your circumstance and your experience. I grew up in a family with two parents. I was very fortunate to get a great education. I have had a lot of experiences and my origin story leads me that I've got to give back. My responsibility with any success that I've had is to now do something with this moment in time to where I can make a major difference that will be global in its effect. One of the things I'll give you an example is I was on the phone with folks just today with folks from four different countries talking about how to create DEI from a global perspective, because it's just not something that's affecting us in North America. It is now something that we're rethinking as a society as whole. And so that origin story of David versus Goliath, always about how do I help the underdog slay the giant? And that sums up kind of who I am and what I want to do both now and in the future as best I can. Well, I love that you're slaying the giant as an entrepreneur, as a tech innovator. I mean, I think all of that's very cool. There are so many times when I interview individuals who start a company and build software to solve a problem and they don't solve it within their organization. You know, I can't tell you how many times I talk to a tech entrepreneur who's passionate about employee engagement and his own employees hate that company. So I just wonder, what's your team like and what are you doing to ensure that you live your values and you walk your talk at your own organization? I love the question. Appreciate the accountability layered into that question. It's awesome. I'll give you an example of something we did today. So we took an hour and 30 minutes with our staff. We're a small team, about 20 folks. And we had a mental health professional come in and talk about how to de-stress your work life balance and basically create integration. So every two weeks, we try to model that learning mentality, number one. Number two, we take feedback. And I'll give another example. So before the holidays, we had a team meeting, a team Zoom call, and I asked each one of our team members to tell us something that we're not doing right. 
And I got a lot of comments. <laughs> right? I, I got a lot of comments. But we're addressing each one of those comments one by one. And we have a team meeting on the 24th where I will give that feedback on those comments, number two. And then number three, like any organization, when you have turnover, we listen to the folks that love what we're doing. And then we listen to the folks that didn't have an amazing experience for some reason. And there's learning in both. To have a great organization means to have an authentic one. And that means everything's not perfect on every day, but you got to get better from it. So you don't keep repeating the same mistakes. And those are some of the things that are kind of embedded in our culture with a few specifics to give the audience some examples. Well, I love where you're going with this because not only are you trying to model an example of what it means to be a modern day leader within your own organization, but you're teaching it and you're trying to really reach down to organizations that may or may not have the necessary budget to acquire technology, right? So you've got your program starting up in March. I mean, these are all amazing endeavors. As we start to wrap up the conversation, what do you want to leave the audience with knowing about you, your movement, your tech, and what you're trying to accomplish in this industry? Innovation lives where people come together to collaborate with a purpose. And so wherever you sit in the DEI journey, join our newsletter, sit in on some of our webinars. Before we even talk about a purchaser buying decision, I just encourage people to get to know us. And even if you take that good idea and implement it, just give us feedback on how it worked out because there's so much work to do. We're just quite frankly, finding the partners, the clients and customers that align with our vision and our tools, but we need to learn from each other. And those shared experiences are really, really important in a area where change is really, really rapid. And, and so that's how I would encourage people to engage with us. I love it. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking, I believe there are such things as dumb questions, but I love, <laughs> I love where the conversation went because you're really encouraging kind of a candor around this dialogue and people to be brave and bold and to get educated. That's exactly right. And I think the final thing that I would add is we're also a great place to ask that question that you don't know where else to turn because we're not in the judgment business. We're in the solution business. And we're just trying to provide answers, perspectives, insights, or somewhere to research for those that are seeking. And that's what brings us together with the folks that choose to work with us in a powerful way. Well, Donald, once again, can you give us your website where everybody can find you? Thediversitymovement.com is where you can find us from a corporate standpoint. And I'm very active, uh, Donald Thompson on LinkedIn. And so love to engage with folks and really open to quick questions and different things. I know how to call the ball when people have asked their 10th question. All right, you got to pay. But if you've got one or two questions or different things, hit me up. Let's have a dialogue. Let's make the world better together. Love it. Amazing. Thanks again for being a guest today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.